Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special Thursday edition of the Book Reporters with Jordan. <laughs> you can't see, but Lauren just did like a little, like little dance move. It's a thing. Thursday dance, yeah. But um, hello, Lauren. Finish off that Diet Coke. <laughs> hey, Joe. <laughs> my second one of the day. I am powered. <laughs> oh, this is my this is my fourth cup of coffee. I got about a half a cup here, so. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, everyone, welcome to Thursday episode. Uh, We're making up for lost time. <laughs> oh, it's always fun. I mean, mm-hmm. first time we're doing it like this, but uh, yeah, uh, we got a double romantic comedy episode for you this week, or <laughs> this uh, today. What, what today? <laughs> today. <laughs> I'm so used to saying this week. I, no, no one cares. So we really had three books this week because. We talked about the well, Misty well, Affair you, on Monday. Well, yeah, but... Yeah, I know. was going to say, you it did. Was, it was meant to be a joint book, but you you had a lot of input, and it it all worked out. Yeah. Well, I mean, it worked <laughs> out. It worked out before anyone else actually listened to the episode. Yeah. But uh, we've, I've rambled enough. Uh, we can get to the books, so... All right. Lauren, what are you talking about again this episode? I am going to discuss Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuiston. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) And And I did listen to the audiobook of that, so I could have some input on your discussion. Yeah. I'm excited. Do you want to reveal yours yet, or do you want me to get into mine? Oh, I will reveal mine, but I mean, we're, again, we are going to give the the listener a chance to opt out, because I am doing, as we did with the episode where I discussed it happened one summer by Tessa Bailey, I am doing the sequel by Tessa Bailey, Hook, Line, and Sinker. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I just did like a little eye for the listener. I did like a little eyebrow raise and uh book reporters after dark. Did you say, or I mean, are we going to that? Perhaps. Story? Perhaps. We'll see. Um, we will. We see. need some, we need some music to accompany that when we we'll have to, We'll have to oh, I'm not, I'm not savvy enough with to mm-hmm. like interject music like that, but <laughs> um, I don't know. Just imagine like a uh, like a saxophone slow jazz. <laughs> slow jazz. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, mine mine is mine could be book reporters after dark, but I did not highlight anything um i listened to this on audiobook so uh i don't have a copy with me but i'll just get into the to the book (laughs) Hmm. so um 
Yeah. So this is, this book came out a couple years ago and I had heard about it at the time. I wasn't reading romance, so I gave it a pass. It was, um, I believe it's a book of the month club and I think I first saw it on there, but I, it, I just grazed over it. But, um, this is what it's about. So the synopsis, what happens when America's first son falls in love with the Prince of Wales? When his mother became president, Alex Claremont Diaz was promptly cast as the American equivalent of a young royal, handsome, charismatic genius. His image is pure millennial marketing gold for the White House. There's only one problem. Alex has a beef with the actual prince, Henry, across the pond. And when the tabloids get hold of a photo involving an Alex Henry altercation, U.S. slash British relations take a turn for the worse. Heads of state, I'm sorry, heads of family, state, and other handlers devise a plan for damage control, staging a truce between the two rivals. What at first begins as a fake Instagrammable friendship grows deeper and more dangerous than either Alex or Henry could have imagined. Soon, Alex finds himself hurtling into a secret romance with a surprisingly unstuffy Henry that could derail the campaign and upend two nations and begs the question, can love save the world after all? Where do we find the courage and the power to be the people we are meant to be? And how can we learn to let our true colors shine through? Casey McQuiston's Red, White, and Royal Blue proves true love isn't always diplomatic. So uh, this is quite a long book, uh, one of the longer ones I've read in a while, probably since The Shining. It's 448 pages, and as an audiobook, it was, I, I want to say like 13 hours or something. Um but I put it on, um, put it on, sped it up just a little bit, just a hair. And I loved this book. Um, it was super interesting. I mean, you, you could have had a more simpler book and shaved off 200 pages and it still would have worked, but I actually like how, how thorough this book is. It really follows these characters through a lot. It isn't just enemies to lovers kind of thing. And then they get together and that's it. Um, I don't think that there's a lot of cheesy, in my opinion, like there wasn't a lot of cheesy banter um, where it's like, I hate him. I love him. I hate him. I love him. Blah, blah, blah. Um, But it really takes on a, a deeper meaning because these two people are in the spotlight and they are gay. So um, basically um, just trying to see here. It only took me five days on um, audible or through the audio book to listen to it, which um, I was really listening to this book at home with my earbuds on um, like as soon as I got home from work, I listened to it on the way on my commute to and from work. Um, and for a long audiobook, I think that that like really captured me um, the whole time and went by pretty quick. But um, as the story suggests, so Alex is the first son. His mother is uh, president and Henry is 
a Prince of Wales. And you could definitely picture both of them. Um, Alex is from a mixed race family and, um, you know, is kind of just a really funny, young, political kid. Um, you know, he, he's likable, but he's also, you know, he would probably be like larger than life in, in person, um, kind of in your face. And Henry is definitely the British, you know, very prim and proper, um, ying to the yang, I guess. Um, but there's definitely more to both characters and you do find that out as the story goes on. They start as enemies. They've always had this kind of hatred for each other um, that started years ago when Henry was rude to Alex. Um, and their rivalry kind of got worse and then it all came to a head at a wedding um, that made headlines for what happened. So then as PR, his mom is running a reelection campaign. Um, and of course, just being British, you know, you want to just squash any, any bad publicity. Um, Alex and Henry get together, they do some photo ops. Um, they're all besties and, and friends. And then they realize they have you know, things in common, they're staying up texting each other, or emailing each other late hours of the night. And with the time difference, it's always an inconvenient time for one or the other. They both have trouble sleeping. So um, they end up talking a lot more than one would think with the time difference. And a friendship forms that eventually turns into a, a relationship. And um and then it goes through keeping it a secret. Um, and we kind of all, like, you're reading the story, you kind of know that they have to be outed at some point, um, which is, like, awful. Um, and I, I think that that happens kind of later in the book than I would have anticipated. Like I said, it is quite a long book. Um, because I'm thinking, like, okay, they they were enemies and now they're together and they have this really cute relationship. I think when like, are we done? Are we done with the story? Like why, why are there still, you know, 200 pages or whatever. Um, but it kind of just goes through what a real relationship when you're in the public eye, when you're gay and when it's a secret relationship happens. And I think that it was, it was, I don't know if authentic's the right word, but I feel like it all was told for a reason. Um, I don't think there was fluff in this book. Like I said, you could you could chop it down, but I don't think you needed to. I think you could condense it um, just for simplicity, but it also isn't isn't filler in those pages that you could cut out. It's just you could just show one aspect of their relationship and the book would be fine. But instead it kind of covers a whole, a whole thing. And, and I think it's really over the course of like, not quite a year um, that all of this happens, but it is the year leading up to the reelection campaign. Um, and then a little bit after. So you do get to hear what happens with all of that. 
But um, I just really, really enjoyed this book. I felt like it was really cute. I learned new things. I um, can say I haven't really read a lot of books like this before. And now I want to read all of her books. So um, I'm definitely going to look into those. And I don't really have a lot of negatives to say about this book. I think she has one other book. Um, I think um, one last stop. Right. I think that's her only other book. If I'm, I don't know if I'm right on that or not, but that's the only other one I've seen from her. And there's another one coming out this year too called I kissed Shara Wheeler. Yeah. So um, that will be out April, maybe. So not too far off, but um, I definitely recommend this book. I really liked the, I liked it on audiobook. I'm going to buy a copy of it just so I have it because I really did um, enjoy it and recommend it. Um, what did you think of it? Did you, did you finish it, Joe? I didn't finish, I didn't have time to finish it, but I mean, I got, I want to say like well into it. Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly where I left off, but I think I'm going to do the same thing where I'm going to buy a physical copy of it. Yeah. Either like either the paperback that's out or the ebook. If I see a deal on it at some point. Right. Because um, I listen to audiobooks like when, like while I'm at work. Mm-hmm. And I could miss, like I can miss some things right. while I'm working, but I I'm able to like keep up with the general, the generalness of the story, right. and enough that I can still follow along. But I mean, just for just for that reason, like being able to read it myself and like take in everything mm-hmm. that way. Um, I, you know, I plan on doing it that way yeah, myself too. That is the downfall with the audiobook. If you're distracted in any way, even if you just have something on your mind, sometimes, you know, <laughs> you're rewinding and going back 15 seconds, 15 seconds, 15 seconds, just to get back to where you last remember. Um, but I think it's, I think it's an enjoyable read, whether you're actually reading it or listening to it. Um, and it holds a really good rating on Goodreads. It's a 4.2 based on 485,000 ratings, 64,000 reviews. Um, and I gave it five stars. So, um, actually I was looking at my, my ratings or my, how long it took me to, to read it. And, The first thing I said, uh, I said five days, I think, but it was actually only two full days. It was the sixth through the eighth. Um, I think I was looking at like all of my activity or something, but um, like to me to get through 13 hours of (laughs) even sped up a little bit. um, I, I really enjoyed this book. Now, not, not everyone did. Um, I do have a one-star review here. Um, This is from Gray, who recorded 
their uh, rating on Goodreads on June 25th, 2019. So not long after the book was released in May of 2019. It says one star. Um, I hated this book with every fiber of my being. Words cannot fully express the rage I felt while forcing myself to finish this shit. I need a lawyer to represent me because I really want to sue the author for wasting my goddamn time. Wow. <laughs> so much hate. It's a lot. It's a lot of hate there. Um, so that was some strong, strong feelings, but you know. No, no. I, like dive into what exactly. Why that, no. That's it. I guess once once the lawyer gets involved, you, you I guess you limit what you're saying. <laughs> I guess <laughs> they they you know they'll they'll pick it up in court. <laughs> but no, I I just think that that was um, that was you know someone who didn't didn't agree like I that that may be our best one star review yet. <laughs> huh. Oh boy! <laughs> How do yeah. I call that? Well, <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I I recommend it. So I recommend it too. Yeah. Oh, and <sighs> all right, <laughs> your turn. <laughs> okay. Listener discretion is advised from this point out. Or is it? Oh, maybe it is. Let's just say it is. You okay. know, cover our cover our bases for. Sure. Uh, so, you may remember, listener, me covering. I believe it was episode five. Uh, my book. That episode was. It happened one summer by Tessa Bailey, and then for our Christmas episode. Lauren picked Window Shopping by Tessa Bailey, and I joined in on that. Right. Uh, with uh, some fun readings. Yeah. And now I am doing, again, the sequel to It Happened One Summer called Hook, Line, and Sinker. And here is... The synopsis. In the follow-up to It Happened One Summer, Tessa Bailey delivers another deliciously fun rom-com about a former player who accidentally falls for his best friend while trying to help her land a different man. King Crab Fisherman Fox Thornton has a reputation as a sexy, carefree flirt. Everyone knows he's a guaranteed good time, in bed and out. And that's exactly how he prefers it, until he meets Hannah Bellinger. She's immune to his charm and looks, but she seems to enjoy his personality and wants to be friends. (laughs) Bizarre. But he likes her too much to risk a fling, so platonic pals it is. Now Hannah's in town for work, crashing in Fox's spare bedroom. She knows he's a notorious ladies' man, 
but they're definitely just friends. In fact, she's nursing a hopeless crush on a colleague, and Fox is just the person to help her with her lackluster love life. Armed with a few tips from Westport's resident Casanova, Hannah sets out to catch her co-worker's eye. Yet, the more time she spends with Fox, the more she wants him instead. As the line between friendship and flirtation begins to blur, Hannah can't deny she loves everything about Fox, but she she refuses to be another notch on his bedpost. Living with his best friend should have been easy. Except now, she's walking around in a towel, sleeping right across the hall, and Fox is fantasizing about waking up next to her for the rest of his life. And, and, man overboard! He's fallen for her hook, line, and sinker. Helping her flirt with another guy is pure torture. But maybe if Fox can tackle his inner demons and show Hannah he's all in, She'll choose him instead. So, for those who read It Happened One Summer, may recognize those characters. Hannah is Piper's sister, the main main female character from It Happened One Summer. And Fox is Brendan's best friend. So, and... The two of them take the lead in this, and there is kind of a nod to that that I feel Tessa Bailey is giving because Hannah, in her narration, considers herself the supporting. She considers herself the supporting character to just a supporting character in life. She keeps referring to herself as. And given that that's what she was in the first book, and she's not used to being the lead actress, as she puts it. So, um, and Fox is, as the synopsis says, the ultimate ladies' man. And I have this highlighted passage, or, or... already to describe him. One way he is described is the maestro of feminine wetness. (laughs) (laughs) But, so, yeah, Hannah is, she is the music supervisor, I believe that's what it is, for a film production crew and her crush is on the film's director Sergey who is you know this odd eccentric director but you know and it's mentioned in it happened one summer that Hannah is go is going to work with this guy and has the crush on him and so it's her they're trying to figure out you know filming locations and it's Hannah's idea to go to Westport back to Westport where it happened once summer took place and Piper 
and Brendan are living now. And instead of uh, being able to stay with Piper because Brendan says his parents are visiting and taking up the extra space in their home, Fox agrees to let Hannah stay with him. And the two of them had, you know, made a, the friendship connection in the first book. Um, and the book starts uh, the prologue with like this, a bunch of text exchanges between the two of them. So it's established that they're, you know, they have a friendship between the two of them. And Fox agrees to let Hannah stay in his uh, spare room. And Fox has, as I said, this reputation as, you know, the town's Lothario, the, and Brendan warns him, like, okay, Hannah is off limits, like, and, you know, (laughs) but this book, I told you, I told you this, um, after I finished, or when I was kind of late in the book, there, compared to it having one summer in window shopping, it seems kind of low on the steam level. Oh, so, my. So, <laughs> this, not that I'm holding it against this book, but this book seems to be more about Fox trying to come to terms with his reputation, the way everyone views him and how conflicted it is because it's revealed that he, Hannah has always made him feel something, you know, more than friendship. And he has genuine feelings for her, but it's been, it seems to be more about his struggle with everyone's view of him and his reputation and how, you know, so it, it kind of leads him to push her away. And there's, I mean, I mean, there's not much in the way. <laughs> Is, I mean, there's not much. Is uh, they don't have sex until like kind of late in the book, but only then they only like kiss a couple of times, and the first time they kiss is at the bar. They cut. They do it to make Sergey jealous. Like Fox agrees to do that, but there is um, I'm trying to find that. Uh, <laughs> oh, I got, I came across this highlight. Um, so someone says about him, God, he is like a walking spank bank. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's kind of low on the steam. 
in general, but I'm trying to. I'm having trouble finding like much of what I highlighted. But the. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a lot. It has a lot more to do with, um, you know, Fox feeling that he has to. Like, no matter what he, like, everyone, he's scared of starting something with Hannah because he's afraid of everyone viewing Hannah as, um, again, the next notch in his bedpost. And he doesn't want that for her. So part of the story is him, like, kind of pushing her away. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, d- I don't have much highlighted in the way of. It's more of like a character kind of. Yeah. Driven. Deeper. Now, I guess I guess probably mm-hmm. because you you got the overview last time and now it's just. You know, getting into the nitty gritty of these people and not just like their highlight reel. Like with the first book, where you're kind of learning about everybody, and this just takes it like a step deeper. I'm guessing. Yeah, but um, you know, Fox is. There's another thing that um, Brendan. Brendan is a ca- the ship that Brendan is the captain of is the Delray, and Brendan wants Fox to take over that. And Fox is, that's another thing he's dealing with that he doesn't feel that he's captain material. So there's, you know, one trip later in the book that they're getting ready to set out on. Brendan kind of ambushes him into cap captaining a trip late in the book because, you know, Brendan last minute makes up this story that he has to some emergency came up with his parents and he needs Fox to captain, but it's bullshit. You know, Fox realizes it and you know, Brendan is still like, no, like you can do this. So, but a lot of it is a lot of it is honestly Fox kind of trying to come to terms with his reputation and him being afraid of people viewing him and how that's going to lead to people looking at Hannah as, you know, a victim of his, you know, I don't just, it, it, there is a bit of steam, but it's, I feel it's more of an emotional character mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, that's what it sounds story. like. So, overall, I still enjoyed it, though. I gave it four stars. Um, I know it happened one summer. I gave that five, but this one got four. Um, But...
it sounds like a good story. I mean, it sounds it like, is. I like, you know, the sequel, you don't always get sequels. So, um, I can see the appeal, but it is different from the first and, one. And it's also Hannah dealing with her thing. Like, as I said before, she's dealing with the used to being the supporting character in so she has her thing in there's a whole thread with her about how she's trying um she goes and visits uh her grandmother who was her and Piper's grandmother who was introduced in it happened one summer uh Opal who she found out her and Piper's father Henry had basically a book full of sea shanties he had written and so Hannah has this idea to take them and get this uh, sort of like indie folk band to like go up to Seattle get them to record these songs and it's there's this whole thread of her because of her position. She's sort of like an assistant to someone else that the film, the production company has hired to do the music for the film. And there's this whole thread about her, you know, putting trying to put that out idea out to the director and you know trying to assert herself with you know what she wants to do on in her job and her crush on Syria kind of goes away quickly and and then it becomes about like her and Fox dealing with their attraction to each other. And, um, you know, so she's got that go, that, uh, whole thing going on. But then as with it happened one summer and window shopping and as it does in these books, they all, is happy in the end. And I will say the epilogue in this book is, is interesting. What Tessa Bailey did, like she does a 10 years later thing for the Hmm. epilogue, which is kind of, so I guess she's saying there's not going to be another book because she's (laughs) in that series. Maybe. I don't know. But But you're kind of like, here they are later in life. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh unfortunately I don't I don't think I have many readings to do this time, unfortunately. So I don't I don't know yeah, who steamy. I don't know who was looking forward to that. <laughs> um but uh I do have a one-star review here. All right. From 
it looks like this person's full name. I'll just give their first name. Um, from Lisa, reviewed in the UK United Kingdom, uh, just on uh, March 18th, so two days ago from when we're recording this. Um, one star. Sorry, but no. I don't like leaving bad reviews, but I also don't like leaving bad ratings with no explanation. So this was not good. The characters didn't talk like normal people. The dialogue in the narrative was so cheesy and had me cringing so much. It says my, but she probably meant me. The sex scenes seemed like they aided Seemed like they'd aimed for Fifty Shades of Grey cheesiness and managed it. Just not good. Most of the quote-unquote chemistry between the characters, there is no chemistry between the characters, is made by the author making them all. Why was he feeling like he liked her when he absolutely did not like her? And, but she didn't like him, no, no, no. There would have been plenty to show the chemistry if all of the telling was left out. But as it is, it was rammed down our throats, and I really didn't care if they got together or not. I'm genuinely not sure how I made it to the end of the book, but I think it would have been better to give them a son as well, and shown how Fox wasn't repeating his parents' mistakes. Just my two cents worth. Hmm. Well, that's the thing. At the end, they have ten years later. They have two young daughters. Mm. But th- that's something I didn't get into. Fox has a wears a bracelet that was his father's as a reminder of like I'm just like him, or because his father had you know, screwed around on his mother and, you know, slept with many different women. They ended up divorcing. And, you know, Fox was always, that's another thing Fox deals with is, I'm just like my father in that there's no one woman for me. And that's, again, that's the reputation I have. And everyone's always going to view me that way. Mm-hmm. I got to say, it did kind of, that did get a little tedious for me. Just like how Fox kept having those thoughts. Right. Of, yeah, you're like, we get it. <laughs> yeah, so, but, you know, overall, um, I hope I did well in explaining this book. Yeah, because I don't, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't get into it like I wanted to, but yeah, there just wasn't. I didn't feel like there was much mm-hmm. for me to do like I did with the other two books. So yeah, if if anyone's disappointed by no erotic readings <laughs> for this one, I apologize. <laughs> I'll, I will try to find just one. 
We were all looking like... forward to it. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> all right, I got a couple here. Um. This is during, like, uh, one six scene. Oh, oh, okay. Here, this is a uh, fox quote when he's uh, asking for a hand job <laughs> after he after he just finished pleasuring her. Touch me, please. Get a fist around it and stroke me hard. Fuck me up. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, uh, Hannah, a little bit later, her breath growing choppy when his arousal swelled and stiffened more, impossibly, giving her fist even more ground to cover. Oh, Dang. Jesus! She exhaled before she could stop herself. Yeah. Yeah, that's like his, his that arousal like, swelled and stiffened more, impossibly giving her even more ground to cover. <laughs> it's like, how big are we supposed <laughs> to imagine it is? Um, knees up, Hannah. He pulsed inside her, pupils locking out the blue of his eyes. Let's see how deep I can get it before you scream. Spoiler, it didn't take very long. And then this last one. Her legs were still locked around his waist, their bodies slick with sweat, and she didn't see herself moving in the foreseeable future. Maybe ever. Apparently being boneless was a thing. (laughs) I mean, it's all... It's all risque. It's just that would have been some of your lighter material. Yeah. <laughs> in, in the in it happened one summer, but yeah. I I, I still like uh the maestro of feminine wetness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you kind of peaked with that one. <laughs> I mean, yeah, again, there there just wasn't much for me to highlight in that. Mm-hmm. Her, which is okay, but yeah, can't win them yeah. all. <laughs> I'd be interested to hear other people's thoughts on this one. Yeah, compared to, I, I know compared to like, it happened one summer window shopping, or other Tessa Bailey books we have yet to get to. Yeah, I know that uh, this just in the bookstagram community, this sequels getting a lot of hype because so many people loved the first book. So um curious to kind of see what the consensus is overall. I have seen positive ones um in just the few that I've seen, uh, which hasn't been that many yet, but I feel like they're kind of similar to what you're saying. Like it's, it's good. It's a good book. It's just not as good as the first one, which, you know, it's always hard to follow that up when the first book is so good. So it's not like a knock necessarily. It's just you're, you kind of have to compare them. They're sequels you know, or, you know, they're, they're a series. So, yeah, you know, one's going to end up better than the other typically. 
Okay, but uh, yeah, I think that's uh, all I have to say for Klein and Sinker. So, um, are there any other books you want to give a mention to, like audiobooks you listen to or books you read? Or what I... you. Anything you've read that you want to just give a little mention to? I'm listening to, I, I've never read, like, I can't believe I haven't read this book yet. It's been on my bookshelf, but I saw it was free at uh, at the library as an audiobook, In a Dark, Dark Wood by Ruth Ware. I've read I almost all of her other books. I haven't read The Lion Game yet, but, um, so I'm listening to that now, and so far I like it. Yeah, I think I've read that. I... The only book of hers I haven't read is The Death of Mrs. Westaway. But I have, uh, I bought the paperback of that recently at Target. So I do have that I, to get to. I do like that book. I've read that one. Um, yeah. I, I didn't finish The Woman in Cabin 10. That was a DNF for me. I did skip to the end just to read it. <laughs> so I, I'll never go back and read it. Well, I, I mean, my, oiled it. I, the Woman in Cabin 10 is maybe my least favorite of hers, honestly. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, it was a three-star, but for me, it took... What I remember was with that book was it took a little too long to get to right. the main mystery of it, and then the reveal happened too quickly. Yeah, I so, I was like kind of bored in it and i think it generally has decent reviews a lot of people that is their favorite of ruth wears and um i just i really liked the cover i had the the hardback of it because i think it has like rainwater that you can that's texturized and it's really cool and it sounds like a a book right up my alley it just was to me very very slow um and then i read i skipped to the end because i knew i wasn't gonna go back and i was like oh okay that's yeah. but but i'm giving I, I, in a dark dark wood a um a shot now and I, so far so good i have no idea what the sales were initially like for in a dark dark wood but i i feel like woman in the cabin 10 that's when most people heard about her right i mean that's when i when i heard about i think that was that's her second me book. too yeah yeah I, think, I don't know like, where kinda, the line kinda, game comes in, but kind of like how Gone Girl happened for Gillian Flynn, and then some where of her the other first, books, yeah. yeah. Then people went back to her previous ones, right? What about you? Are you in the middle of anything, or just finished up anything? Well, I I started this today, and I'm going through it like pre what, but keep it on theme with our romantic comedies. Mister Wrong Number by Lynn Painter. I'm having a lot of fun with this one. Oh, good. Is, uh, I saw. I just saw today on Goodreads. You had marked it as reading, and I was like, "Oh, that's like a." I don't know. That, yeah, it just like, kind of ca- caught me by surprise. Yeah, I'm already on page uh, one seventeen. Yeah, like I got to that in one sitting, which is not often. I read over a hundred pages in one sitting. Right. So. Cool. But I, after we get all. After we get off here, I'm going to go back to it and read what I can. Nice. And, uh, yeah, but the premise for that is uh, (laughs) it's got a great first line. Um, The main female in the book is Olivia. 
Uh, first one, it started the night after I burned down my building. <laughs> Which what, what what that is is she she had just been broken up with by her boyfriend, and she was burning like all these love letters and poems he had written her, and then you know got like the out of thing, control or something. Yeah, the fire got out of control, and so she's staying with her brother and his roommate. And, but she gets a missed wrong number. She gets a text from a wrong number and ends up like building a, like a back and forth with the guy. Yeah. Oh, cool. And I'm going to give a little spoiler because it was kind of easy to see, but Mr. Wrong number is her brother's roommate. Oh. Who... It's it's like said in the book that she finds him attractive, and there's kind of a kind of like a mutual attraction boat between them. But I kind of saw it coming. So, mm-hmm. and you're, I mean, it's it's not really much of a spoiler. It wasn't a spoiler like towards the end of the book because you're still. In it, yeah. are you even? Is it like, are you? I think, at the I think, point I yet? think the reveal happens around. Uh, I'm doing a quick through because it's at the end of a chapter. Mm. It happens, I want to say, around 80 pages. It, yeah, it, yeah, so it's it not happens like, like about, yeah, like a chapter ends on page 80 and then. The next chapter start on page 81 is from his perspective. And it's like, holy shit, Miss Miss Style is Olivia. And so it's. Yeah. Then you see. Yeah. It come together. So 80 pages in, I guess. But, yeah. you know, I, I kind of suspected it beforehand anyway. So, but it's. Right. It's very funny. Uh, According to some like of the reviews on it, it's but there's supposed to be a steam factor in it. Uh, one of the text exchanges they have between them is uh, playing twenty questions about sexual positions, and just there you go. I don't. We might get a bonus book reporter after dark <laughs> sometime soon. Oh. You'll have to keep your notes. Oh, we'll see. But that is Mr. <laughs> Wrong Number by Lynn Painter. So, uh, already about a third of the way through that is already a recommend for me. Cool. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, but we hope you, the listener, enjoyed this episode. And, uh, it's always fun for me to chat with Lauren about these for any reason. Even when I feel, even when I'm unsure how I'm conveying my thoughts on a book or, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sometimes I, I, just, I just hope I make it coherent and not boring. Yeah. I don't know. I fall. I mean, it's, it's not a book I've read. So like it's up to, you know, like the person who read it to kind of lay it out there. And I always feel like I know the book. Yeah. But again, I mean, I, 
I was highlighting stuff and had a way I was going to tell it, and then it just yeah my, my goes out of my head. So, <laughs> but sometimes yeah. the structure is is better. Yeah, but uh, before we go, we are um in just a few since this is the Thursday episode, we're going to be back sooner than you expect. Uh, and we got another. A joint book to discuss on Monday. Um, what do you want to reveal that, or do you? It what? is the the Paris apartment by Lucy Foley, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to. It. I just started it, but I'm not too far in yet. And uh, but I've I've liked her other books a good bit. Have you read her other ones? I believe I believe I read about a third of the hunting party. Yeah. And put it down again not that I wasn't enjoying it just I put it down intending to come back to it later and I just haven't done so yet so when I get back to it right. I'm going to start from the beginning of that. But yeah. um I haven't read the guest list yet. Okay. I read uh, both. I mean, I, I liked both of those books a yeah. good bit. Um, so, yeah, yeah I'm I mean, looking I, forward. I have them both on Kindle, and I have the Paris apartment on Kindle. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into that with you next or on Monday. In, right. A couple days. So, <laughs> <laughs> just after the weekend. So, um yeah, uh, again, wonderful getting to chat with you, as always, Lauren. And Thanks, thank you, Joe. everyone, for listening. And we'll uh, talk to you Monday. Sounds good. Bye. Bye, everyone.